Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best stories directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with award-winning author Paul D. Marks, whose latest work, The Vortex, was just released. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be back with you. Yes, for uh, for listeners, you and I talked probably a year and a half ago, uh, ago or so on a show called Murders, Mysteries, and Mayhem, which has sort of been replaced by CrimeFiction.fm. So it's great to talk with you again. I'm, as you know, I'm a big fan of your work. I'm a big fan of noir in general. But for listeners who might not know what noir is, can you sort of explain it? To me, noir is somebody basically tripping over their own uh, faults. You know, somebody who has uh, an Achilles heel, some kind of greed or want or desire that leads them down a dark path. A lot of people think of noir, you know what, they think of film noir movies that have a lot of rain and uh, shadows, and I like all of that. But to me, the real noir character is, is somebody who has a weak spot, and that kind of does them in. Uh, Just to make it simple for people who everyone watches old movies, or everyone should watch old movies anyway, (laughs) Uh, give give me an example of a great noir character from uh, a black-and-white movie. (laughs) I love black-and-white movies. Uh, My favorite film noir would be Double Indemnity, which is based on a James M. Cain novel. And the characters in there are played by Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray. And Fred McMurray, uh, this is like his first serious role. He was a light comic actor. And I think that's why Billy Wilder chose him for this, because he's kind of an everyman. And he meets Barbara Stanwyck, who is the femme fatale, and um, he's seduced by her and, and seduced by greed and by lust and love and ultimately into helping her kill her husband, and that is his downfall. And you are a, a huge movie fan. I know because we're friends on Facebook and I see the things that you post, I see the movie recommendations that you make, and you have a history in the in the movie business, and we'll get to that in a bit. But first, let's get to your writing. Uh, what What's sort of, before we get into the actual story of the Vortex, why did you decide to write this particular story? Well, I I had been contracted to do this for a publisher that was doing novellas, and he wanted to do noir things. And so, you know, I needed to come up with an idea. And like you say, I like the old black and white movies. And one of the uh, kind of recurring themes in those, a lot of those movies were made in the 1940s, And one of the recurring themes is soldiers returning from World War II with, I guess, what we would call today PTSD or, you know, various forms of illness and and amnesia seems to be a common theme. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, issues arising from that and from their returning home or they'll return home and their wife is having an affair with somebody like in the Blue Dahlia with Alan Ladd. So I kind of wanted to do an homage to that kind of movie, The Soldier Returning Home. And since we have the war in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, going on or winding down these days, I thought I'll kind of update that type of story. And it also gives me a chance to comment on a lot of um, 
facets of what's going on in society today. But the the original inspiration, I guess, was like I say, I wanted to do an updating of that kind of story, set it today, and put hopefully my uh, mark on it. And the resulting work is Vortex, and it's a it's really a fabulous book. I I zipped through it in fairly short order. It was just one of those things that you just wanted to see the the way you laid out the story drew the reader in, drew me in, and I wanted to see how the whole thing was resolved. And knowing you, I I, I know there's going to be trouble between the early trouble and the resolution. So uh, walk us through sort of the storyline of Vortex and the young people that populate the book. Okay, it's a story about a guy named Zach Tanner who's returning from the war in Afghanistan. He's careening down Sunset Boulevard with his girlfriend, Jess, and they're being chased by a red Camaro. And they're, uh, you know, talking. Jess isn't quite sure what's going on. And she says to him, uh, you know, why are we running? They're your friends that are chasing us. And so we have to wonder why the hell are Zach's best friends chasing them down Sunset Boulevard? And uh, he's on the run. He's back from the war, but he can't run from himself is basically what happens here. And One of the things that I found so interesting about the story, Paul, is the characters, the young people that are a part of this. And, you know, Zach's coming back from Afghanistan. He's got this angst. He left as a boy, essentially, with, with the idea of... Uh, the the good life being easy money, stardom in Hollywood. This is a California, Hollywoody kind of a location where the story is set. And he's a different person when he comes back. But his friends, including some of the ones that he went to war with, have not changed. And that creates uh, some interesting conflict in the story. Well, I think so, because they, they go over as a team and... Uh, Zach gets wounded and is in the hospital recuperating, and that gives him a chance to think about life and everything. And uh, he comes back a different person, but his friends have not changed. And so there's a conflict between them when they come back, and they are all looking for the kind of lingering life, you know, uh, easy money, uh, party time, and... Um, He's not into that anymore. He's grown up, and they haven't. Yeah, and, and there's a very poignant scene in the beginning where he reconnects with uh, what had been the love of his life. He's He's been away from her for quite some time. They're together again. They're reconnecting, and he realizes that she has not evolved a day beyond where she was when he left, essentially. She still wants, for lack of a better term, the Kardashian life. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's exactly what she wants, and she wants it easy, and um, she wants to, like, be a reality show star, you know, because it's uh, glamour and glitz and Hollywood and easy money, and he just doesn't see that anymore. He may have been like that before he left. He is not like that, and there's a little bit of... uh, angst between them in the beginning, and, and that kind of grows as the story goes on. You, in, in all of the writing of yours that I've read, uh, you, you have sort of a love affair with the city of Los Angeles, and that 
comes through in this book. Um, and, and you don't paint the city the way we see it in movies or the way we see it in – it's not the entourage, Los Angeles. Let me put it that way. It's, it's a grittier, grimier uh, city. Uh, the people are grasping and uh, some of the areas around Los Angeles that you study with the book are – are really interesting and well-presented, and it's something that you do in all of your work. What interests you so much about the city of Los Angeles? Well, I, I was born here, and I've seen it change a lot, and I'm old enough, I guess I should say, that uh, when I was a kid, it was a very different city than it is today. I mean, you know, if you look at downtown Los Angeles today, there's a lot of tall buildings there were very few tall buildings then, and they weren't spreading out all the way west down Wilshire Boulevard to the ocean. And, um, you know, people come here, it's still the west. It's still the place of dreams. It's where everybody comes to fulfill their dreams. And, you know, you, you see the successful people when you watch things like Entourage, you know, whether it's the characters or the actors, you know, these are the people that have success. But there's a lot of people on the fringes. There's a lot of people that don't make it. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, actors tend to work as waiters and waitresses. Um, I always think it's funny when I watch a movie or something and uh, there's a scene with somebody playing a waiter or waitress because I go, you know, they're playing a part they know really well. <laughs> and, but, but uh, you know, Los Angeles isn't all the glitz and glamour and, and that kind of thing. It's a big city. It's very spread out. There's a lot of different areas. And I do like to make it a character. I think of it as a, much of a character as any of the human characters in the story. And I like to explore some places that maybe uh, don't get explored as much or, or explore them from a different angle. Um, in Vortex, there's a scene that takes place on what's called the Shakespeare Bridge in Los Feliz. And Los Feliz is near Hollywood. And this bridge, is it, it looks like something out of the movies. It's got little turrets on it and everything. It looks like something you'd see in London in, uh, you know, 1750 or something like that. And I, to my knowledge, I've never seen it in a movie. I've never read about it in a book. And I just thought, you know, that's a great place to set a scene. So uh, there's a little action scene that takes place there. Now, we mentioned earlier that, that you have some experience in the movie business. You have been the screenwriter, and one of the things that I find most interesting about your writing style is the way you write your first drafts. Can you share that with, uh, with listeners? Yeah, sure. My, my background is mainly as a um, script doctor, uh, polishing other people's scripts. A little glory. My dad still can't figure out what I did for a living because there's no screen credit for that. But um, I do my first drafts as a screenplay. And um, I don't like outlining and I don't like plotting things out ahead of time. So I just kind of, you know, a screenplay format is basically uh, exterior beach day, you know, and there's not a lot of description and you know, uh, Joe enters and, uh, you know, has a fight with Harry or something. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm simplifying, but it's, it's mm -hmm. not, not too much. <laughs> so I, I, and I follow the three-act structure, which is uh, screen, 
what they do in screenplays. And um, I basically just let my characters talk and walk, and, and I fix everything in later drafts. I don't care how long the first draft is. I don't care if it goes off on tangents or anything like that. I just want to get something down on paper. I'm working on a story now that's all over the place. And every time I do this, I go, oh, my God, I'm never going to get this thing into <laughs> But with each draft, I hone it and hone it more. And eventually it turns into something that uh, hopefully makes sense. Well, Vortex certainly makes sense. And prior to Vortex, you published a book called White Heat that made so much sense that it won the Seamus Award. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, winning the award and White Heat? Uh, that came as a big surprise, a very nice surprise, <laughs> I have to say. Um, you know, the book is uh, uh, another kind of noir mystery thriller. It's set during the 1992 Rodney King riots, where the main character, uh, through laziness, uh, inadvertently gets somebody killed. And he goes down to south central los angeles to try to find her family to make things right and he gets caught in the riots and things go on from there and again uh you know i think los angeles plays a big part in the story uh, a character in itself and it gives me a chance to comment again on things going on in society and even though this story takes place in 1992 it comments on things going on today but as far as the Seamus goes, um, that year the award the, the award is given out in conjunction with um, BoucherCon, which is the world's biggest mystery convention, and um, the Seamus kind of piggybacks onto that. So it was in Albany that year, and I told my wife, I said, you know, of all the places in the world that you know I, I want to go, Albany would be like about the last on my list. But all you Albany people, I actually really liked it there. We got there a couple of days early and uh, thought it was a really nice city. And you posted so we some went. really beautiful pictures of Albany. You made me wish that I was there when I saw the pictures. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a quaint New England town. It's very different than New York City, even though it's uh, just a couple hours away. But the, the funny thing is when we get there, I'm cool, calm, collected, uh, sitting at the table in the back of the room with my wife, and I'm, I've got my speech, and they call my name, and I walk up to the front of the room, which takes all of uh, 20 seconds. And by the time I got up to the front of the room, I'm just a nervous wreck falling apart, couldn't read my little speech, which wasn't very long, couldn't, could barely get the words out, you know? <laughs> it, it was funny, because oh. usually I'm pretty calm at things like that, but I, I just, uh, I was like Sally Field at the Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a big deal. You've written a lot of great stuff, and and I like it all. I particularly liked White Heat. You published, I, I'm drawing a blank on the on the collection of short stories that you public last, published last year, but that was one of my favorite collections of last year. What was the name of that again? It's called L.A. Late at Night, and the at is a at sign instead of uh, spelled out. Okay, so Vortex was released within the past week. Where can people get it? 
Well, pretty much at any uh, internet store like Amazon, uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, and all the other usual places. And they can get it in bookstores, but they'll probably have to order it and and then have it delivered a few days later. Yeah, if you want to support indie bookstores, you can probably get it through uh, an indie bookstore. You could get it through, as, as Paul said, Amazon, probably iBooks, Barnes & Noble. Paul, what's the best place for people to keep up with you and your work? Well, the best place would be my website, which is www.pauldmarks.com, and Marks is M-A-R-K-S. And there they can find out what's going on with me. They can sign up for my newsletter, which uh, I send out two, three times a year probably. And uh, if they want to join me on Facebook, that would be great. And also uh, tonight, September 2nd at 7 p.m., I'll be doing Noir Slam with a bunch of other noir writers at the last bookstore on Spring Street in downtown L.A. And they can check my website for details on that, too. How cool. So if you're in Los Angeles, stop by and see Paul tonight. And I let me throw in one plug for following Paul on Facebook. If you like noir movies, uh, Paul does a great job of letting people like me know that there's going to be a great noir movie on tonight at 4.30 in the morning to set your DVR. I have, uh, I've recorded a number of great movies based on Paul's recommendations, so I highly recommend that you follow him on Facebook if that's your thing. Paul, thanks so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. I really enjoyed it.